Hello and welcome to the all new, all different number one comics podcast episode number 48. 47 more times. Only 47 more to go. 46 now, so uh, 46. enjoy the countdown. Uh, that's Bob. Say hello, Bob. Hello, Bob. I'm Dan. I did it backwards today because, you know, why not mix it up a little and have some fun, I guess. I got to introduce myself. I don't <laughs> care when I get to do it. I got to do it. I'm as fine. long as you get to do it. Yes. That's that's the most important thing. I agree. Uh, Bob, we are a weekly comic book podcast. Uh, usually we take a look at a brand new first issue comic book, break down the story and art, uh, give it somewhat of a review, and let you guys, the listener, know if uh, we think that you should move on to issue number two or not. We also cover a little bit of comic book and related news when that exists, and we talk about some new books that are in shops this and next week. Bob, this week we'll be taking a deep dive into the all-new number one. From DC Comics, Batman, Santa Claus, Silent Night. Now, Bob, uh, that is correct. Uh, just to reiterate to all the listeners out there, this is Batman and Santa Claus together in a DC comic book that's come out in 2023. Yes, and <laughs> and I'm glad it wasn't those one of those. Let's put it out last month in November. Oh yeah, I hate when they do that. Yeah, no. it's terrible. It's like you got to make it uh, topical. You got to make it right now. You know, during the the holiday or whatever. Exactly. Don't put out a Christmas movie in like may yeah i hate that too yeah that's the worst um i want to know something because we obviously you know in october have a good amount of halloween themed comics in december we have a good amount of uh christmas themed comics why are there no thanksgiving comics like why are they dropping the ball that's on thanksgiving a good comics? question like the justice league sitting around the giant Sitting in a giant banquet hall, just enjoying the turkey dinner. <laughs> yeah, I seeing mean, the Flash carve the turkey in <laughs> under nanoseconds. Oh God, yeah! Can you imagine how quickly that that turkey would be carved? Yeah, that's uh, that's something I want to see. So, to all of you comic book writers out there listening, or aspiring comic book writers, I mean, maybe that's your first foray into a comic book. We writing. even get Valentine's Day comics. Yeah, exactly. We? Yeah, sure. I mean, why not a Thanksgiving one? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm putting the call out there now. For, for 2024, I want to see at least one Thanksgiving-themed comic book on the shelves at the end of November, please. That's not a bad idea. Exactly. Bob, we have to do it ourselves, and I guess we have to do it ourselves. You've thrown but, down the gauntlet. <laughs> yeah, I want to see it. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, gauntlet thrown. Um, either way, we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, I don't know, we're going to talk some comic book news. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the all-new, all-different number one comics podcast. Again, I'm Dan. That's Bob. Bob, we're going to talk about some news. It's There's news. It's, I, I don't know. There's some exciting news. There's some filler news. There's just, there's comic book related news. So, mm -hmm. you know, why the hell not talk about it? Uh, right before we started the record today, uh, we talked about a, uh, a little bit of news that dropped in uh, Key Collector's reporting that the series... Monster in My Pocket has been optioned for a film. So, Monster in My Pocket, of course, if you guys don't remember, it was a 1989 toy line. I can't remember who put it out. For some reason in my head, it's Hasbro, but it's, I don't know. It's probably not. Maybe it's somebody else. But Harvey Comics did come in in 91 and put out a four-issue series of Monster in My Pocket. It's so fun. I had some of the toys. I have this four-issue series. It's just fun, dude. It's these little tiny monsters. You have like a little Dracula, a little Frankenstein, a little mummy, and they're 
you know, just fighting, and it's it's really cool. It's a lot of fun. I do I do vaguely remember it. I mean, I definitely didn't have any of the toys. <laughs> Man, just uh, Bob, I suggest going out and finding something. That's all I can say. We have a nice uh, toy shop right near us. Uh, shout out to uh, Forgotten Toy Box here in Jacksonville, Florida. Go check them out if you want to find some really cool uh, toys from your childhood or, or just some fun toys. They, they've got plenty. But, yeah, uh, definitely a cool toy series and a really fun comic. It was a lot of fun. This will be a live action series, and it's in develop development now from Will Smith's Westbrook Studios and Alter Rock Pictures. So, so Monster in My Pocket was distributed by Matchbox. Okay, Matchbox, all right. And there were 11 in the first run, so it was, you know, done in phases because overall there <laughs> were uh, around 200 or wow. over 200. So Must have been a started, lot of phases. Yeah, it started with 11 and, um, you know, so on and so forth. That's interesting. I'd love to know the history of something like that. I might have to do, like, a deep dive to, like, know about the phases and what came out. Because mm -hmm. I wonder if uh, they started getting into, like, licensed things or whatever. Like, can they call? I mean, I, I guess Dracula is, is uh, something that you can use, right? Like, you don't have to say generic vampire. Somebody can be Dracula and you can use that, right? It's not, like, copyright well, you know, or something. It, it, it's, funny. it's funny you mention that um, because I was just saying um, it, it almost sounded like it was kind of like I don't want to. I want to say like a quasi game because uh -huh. from what I'm reading, each figure was assigned a point value. Oh wow! Which I guess you know, the higher the points, mm -hmm. you know, the bigger the character. Ah, uh, okay, I see. Um, I mean, uh, you know, I'm re I'm reading here according to Wikipedia, amongst the highest valued monsters were the uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex, the uh, Griffin, the Great Beast. The Behemoth, Hydra, and Werewolf. So, hmm. instead of Dracula, you would probably have Vampire. Yeah, okay. Or, you know, something vague like that. Sure. Yeah, so they probably didn't get into, like, the licensed uh, no, uh, monsters no, or whatever. No, oh, okay. no. very interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember much about it. Um, I, like I said, I own the comics. Had some of the toys as a kid, but who knows? 1989, uh, who knows what I was doing with my toys then? Yeah. <laughs> uh, probably Not like putting them, them on my dog's back so they could like ride around or something. Not keeping them in the box, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I didn't do too much of that. Uh, Bob, there's also, you know, just a, a little bit of news out there. Um, Spider-Man Noir is getting a live-action series at Amazon. It's moving forward with the co-showrunner Steve Lightfoot, who did the Punisher series. As well as Narcos, um, I haven't seen Narcos, but the Punisher series phenomenal. I really love mm. that. So that's uh, great, great news. Bob, out of all the you know Spider-Man and Spider-Man adjacent books and everything that I have, big key issues and stuff, I never picked up a copy of this number one of the first volume of Spider-Man Noir. It's a I, little out I of reach. Might have it somewhere at home. I'm not quite sure. I know I had one at one point. Yeah, I mean, and of course we're familiar with the character, you know, uh, being in the uh, Spider-Verse movies and everything. But this uh, this first issue has the first appearance of Spider-Man Noir, an alternate reality ver version of Spider-Man who operated during the Great Depression. Also has a first appearance of Vulture Noir. So that's really, really fun. Uh, of course, earlier this year, a live-action Spider-Man Noir series 
became in development at Amazon, featuring an older, grizzled superhero in the 1930s New York City. And uh, like we said, it's been uh, that's been confirmed, or, or maybe not confirmed. I can't think of the word. Uh, reiterated yet again. Uh, now knowing that we have this co-showrunner here, so really cool, really really excited about that. I know you sent me that article earlier in the week, and I was really stoked when I saw that because. That sounds fantastic. I'd love to see a series of Noir Spider-Man. I'm sure they will, but how disappointed will you be if it's not in black and white? Man, it, it has to be in black and white. And it doesn't There's feature no... a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> it's got to be in black and white, though, right? There's no way that it can't be. I think that that would take away a lot. I'd I still be too. interested in seeing it. But, but I could see. Yeah, it, it, would de- it would definitely take a lot. Take away from the character if it were in color yeah and i've heard so many times at least you know being like a big fan of kevin smith and of course you know clerks coming out and in black and white and all of that uh you know you hear a lot about like studios and stuff saying like black and white they can't put things in black and white it's not going to sell you know people are going to think it's weird whatever but yeah this has to be in black and white right there's no way you do this in color that'd be so odd uh interesting thought to ponder i think that um, yeah, whenever whenever we first see like a trailer or something, and, and if it's in color, that's going to be very jarring. To yeah, me. I I, w- I will say one thing: when it was adapt- when it was adapted to a movie, Sin City and Guillermo del Toro did mm-hmm. did right by that comic. Yes, oh, yeah, black right. and white. Yeah, uh, completely agreed. Uh, Bob, another news. Now, this is a very interesting piece of news. I don't know. I, I don't know that you and I have ever talked about this series before, mm-hmm. but let me tell you that. There's a few series in recent memory that I've just gone ham on. Like, I went so heavy on the FOC and ordered so many copies of. Uh, luckily, some of them really panned out. A lot of them didn't. Um, but, you know, I, uh, again, I have, you know, myself to thank for that full short box of Something is Killing the Children, number ones, and, and then incentives that, that I gather along with that. Um, and, and also... You know, there's plenty of, of copies of other things that never stuck at all and aren't worth the paper that they're printed on, you know, that I also have short boxes of. Mm-hmm. But uh, one series that I went really, really heavy on when it first came out, and, and with every single issue of the five-part mini, uh, was Stray Dogs. The, I think that that series dropped in early 2021, I believe, or mid, I can't remember. Um, of course, a while ago it was announced that it would be in development for some kind of project, whether it be a movie or a series or, or something. Um, and, and again, the reiteration, the Hollywood Reporter has announced that Gary uh, Doverman, who worked on It and Annabelle, so big, you know, high, yeah. high marks there, is attached to the in-development Stray Dogs project. So this is... Uh, confirmed this is not going anywhere uh, i'm really happy about this bob because like i said i have so much stray dogs everything i have every single movie variant cover i have everything so being that you know i i stray dogs was never on my radar okay um just knowing who one of the creators is mm-hmm. does it lean more towards horror oh yeah it's, so that makes sense. It's very interesting, though. It's very nuanced. I would say it hits all the perfect marks because it's it's animated like a Disney cartoon. Um, it looks phenomenal. And it's got this great undertone, but at the same time, it's like a 
uh, what, what's that homeward bound type of vibe to it? You know, you have these animals that all talk to one another and they're, they're trying to figure out what's going on and they love their owner, but there's a little uh, something very sinister going on behind the scenes there. Um, and I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but it's definitely, you know, it was solicited as Lady in the Tramp meets Silence of the Lambs. So, oh. uh, yeah, I okay. mean, if you can find a way to connect those two, I mean, that's what's going on. So, yeah, it's, uh, God, I, I, it's it's insane. Um, I would highly, highly suggest reading this. And I'm hoping, it, it does say here that Paramount purchased the rights uh, for the adaptation to be a dark animated adaptation. So, hmm. yeah, uh, very, very interesting. Um, and I'm happy that it's heated back up, not only because I'm sitting on, you know, so many copies and everything <laughs> of this thing, but just because I think it's a really fun project. It was mm -hmm. really, really good. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and, and Bob, I do have, I, I think right down over here, quite a few copies of the trade paperbacks. I grabbed, you know, when store ex stores were doing exclusives and stuff like that, I grabbed like a, quite a few copies of those. So, so you not only have a bunch of variant number ones, oh, yeah. but you have a bunch of variant paperbacks oh yeah so i'd be happy to lend you one of those trades so you can read it and check it out but uh yeah i, I really think you should it's a lot of fun um next up in news uh we've got some deadpool 3 news of course set photos uh from deadpool 3 confirm the appearance of Sabretooth in the original or sorry from the original x-men film and Bob, there's one cover. I can't think of it. I'm going to try to search here and see if I can find anything about it. But if you're familiar with the uh, cover of Wolverine that has the decapitated Sabretooth head, yeah. um, that's an homage to one of the uh, early, um, uh, what are those called? Uh, can't, can't, think of, can't think of them now. The... Um, Oh, what are they called? The Seduction of the Innocent covers, you know. Oh, like the old pulp book? Yes, yes. It's it's an homage to one of those. Anyways, uh, set photo is like revealing that something like that happens in the movie. Um, you know, maybe a decapitated saber-toothed head is in the film. So really, really interesting there. And, you know, speaking of the Deadpool 3 set leaks, I don't know if you saw, but Ryan Reynolds, like, got into you know he wanted to contribute some to this so of course ryan reynolds being ryan reynolds uh you know made some posts on x and and instagram and stuff like that showing uh set photos with photoshopped uh, predator in there and i have i Steve have I, i've seen that I've, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've seen those all kinds of things uh, yeah, so just, donatello yeah just lots of, he's just having fun with it so uh really really cool um I, I can't even think of, of what else was in uh, Mickey Mouse and then Deadpool's holding up like a bag of money and and I I, I was reading going back to the uh, Sabretooth thing mm -hmm. that there could be multiple versions of Sabretooth because yes. it it even though it looks like him from behind it remains to be seen if that is Tyler Maine who yep. portrayed Sabretooth in the first movie but there's also been reports that Lee Schreiber is going to come back and reprise his role which i'm fine with because <laughs> i like leaf driver's portrayal yeah i was gonna ask you what, what you think about that oh i i, <laughs> I love leaf driver's portrayal of it yeah very good i i agree uh very cool well bob uh mcu news kind of kind of um marvel marvel studios uh 
Mark Ruffalo has been exclusively asked not to comment on a standalone <laughs> Hint, hint. Yeah, what the hell could that mean, Bob? Uh, he's not allowed to comment Th- on There's this. going to be a standalone <laughs> movie, but he can't comment on there being a standalone movie. Yeah, specifically asked not to comment on that anymore. It's like, why didn't they tell Tom Holland, don't comment <laughs> on... On if Tobey Maguire's in that Spider-Man movie. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, look, I think that, you know, given the great, like, Hulk stories that we've already seen and the Avengers stuff and, and all of that, where could they go with Hulk? Like, what could they do with Hulk at this point? Um, one of, I, I always feel like, you know, one of my absolute favorite runs of all time on Incredible Hulk was the... Uh, uh, who was it? Bruce Jones run um, from the earlier two thousands. It was like, it was a lot like the Fugitive. If you remember that television show and and, and Tommy Lee Jones and Harrison Ford movie, uh, the Fugitive, it it borrowed a lot from the Fugitive, and it was a lot of it was really really good. I I really think they could do something like that. I think that something like that would be really amazing. Um, well, I mean, they did they did introduce uh, Scar in uh, She Hulk. Mm-hmm. Yep. So mm-hmm. I mean, they could. Finally, do World War Hulk. Yep, World War Hulk. Uh, yeah, we already got like you know, kind of like Planet Hulk adjacent stuff. So, yeah, of course, uh, there's that. But I'm hoping, I'm really hoping something comes out. Uh, I'm hoping something comes out soon, some big announcement or something. I mean, uh, here's the real question I have for you: Do you think? And we've talked about this at ad nauseum, you know, before. Uh, so I'll, I'll. I'll, I'll backpedal as little as possible, but we all know people talk about superhero fatigue. We all know people talk about comic movies. I don't know what you're that. talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, that aside, because we're not going to focus on that. Um, right. Do you, we can agree at least that the general, uh, I, I don't know, internet commenting audience of superhero movies believes that either it needs to you know, stop, slow down, or be revitalized. Do you think that a Hulk movie could help revitalize the MCU. I do. I, I, do. I agree. I do. I I think that's I think that's kind of where um you know, I don't want to say um you know, that's where the MCU has kind of, you know, gone off the rails. Yep. But they need they need to start just making solo movies again. Mm-hmm. You know, not all these you know, not not every movie has to be. I mean, it, it's cool to see an interconnected universe mm-hmm. stuff like that. But you know, go back to like the days of Iron Man, where it's just an Iron Man movie. I mean, Shield was sprinkled in there, yep. and then at the end for the stinger, you get you know the big reveal that this is going to be all interconnected. Mm-hmm. I mean, not if it if it's a Hulk movie, focus on the Hulk. Yeah, like I said, I'd love to see that that fugitive kind. Of, I can't remember exactly what the uh, name of that uh, that run was, but you know, uh, of course, you know, Hulk's. There's been a lot going on with Hulk, and you know, between uh, in in game Infinity War, all of that, uh, you know, everything that's happened on She Hulk, all of that. Uh, of course, Scar exists now, so something's going on, you know, on Planet Hulk and, and everything. So why not put him in that fugitive role? Let him be on the run. Let 
let people be looking for him, you know. Or right. Let's let's have that kind of story. I think that that would be perfect. I'd love to see something like that, and it would kind of take a the superheroing would take a back seat. You know, we could do something different. Or do, yeah, do do like do like a reimagining, not shot for shot, mm-hmm. but do like a reimagining of the Edward Norton Hulk. Yeah, where you know he's on the run, and you know he's you know trying to keep off the radar mm-hmm. of you know Thunderbolt Ross. You know. Yep. So yeah, I mean, do something like that, and again, make it. Make it just about the Hulk. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's going to be the key point here. You know, uh, focus on the character, build up that character, mm-hmm. and and you know, maybe remember you know what you did at the beginning. Build up those characters, then get a team together. Then you know, make us care about the characters first and all of that. But uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, and uh, you know, no matter what they do, I'm gonna I'm gonna see it either way. So. <laughs> Really, really excited about that. Bob, my last little bit of news that I want to go into. Uh, I picked this book up this week. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you grabbed a copy or not. Um, there was actually talk about it at our local comic book shop. I don't know if you remember the uh, the, the talk that we had there. But, um, you know, DC Comics put out this uh, Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong. No, that that I, that, I did, that I didn't pick up. Okay. I thought about it, but then it was like... Yeah, I mean, the $15 price tag was a bit much. I'll, I'll definitely give it that. Do you have price. it next to your copy of Hulk 1 do you one? No, I certainly do not. Yeah. It's, it's in that stack right there. But, um, but And there's a reason why I brought that up. Yes, yes, uh, sure. But, uh, you know, for those who don't know, uh, Justice League versus... Uh, Godzilla vs. Kong is a DC book. Um, I believe the regular cover price is like around $4.99, and we came with two polybagged variants. Uh, those polybagged variants either feature Kong or uh, Godzilla on the cover, and they come with like a little sound chip included. So if you press down on the cover, it roars either in Godzilla or in Kong's uh, Wait, you got to press down on it? I, I think so. I don't, maybe you have to open the book. I'm not sure. I I'm, I'm hoping all you have to do is open it because that would, <laughs> I mean, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm not too sure exactly how that works. But, uh, yeah, probably probably the same technology as, like, those greeting cards that sing happy birthday or whatever. Yeah, I, I guess I guess we could assume something like that. I, I haven't opened mine from the poly bag, so I'm not sure. But um, uh, DC has had to issue a warning, actually, Bob. I don't know have if they really? Or not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the problem with this is not what... It doesn't have you... lead paint in it, does it? <laughs> well, yes, Bob, that's the problem. Children have been eating the lead paint out of the... No. Licking um... the book? <laughs> yes, exactly. They want a taste of that uh, Godzilla. But, uh, no, um, the problem here is they're being recalled and, and everything, or, or, you know, shops are trying to recall them because they're not working properly. Uh, they're saying that it only roars one time and then will never roar again or that it's not roaring at all. And DC has issued a statement saying it's like light activated. So it needs to be opened or, or pressed or whatever in a very well-lit environment. <laughs> you guys can't see Bob's face, but all I can tell you is if you recognize that one meme with like the little uh, monkey or marsupial or whatever that's uh, throwing its hands up and it's looking around. I mean, that, that was Bob. So. That just makes no sense. <laughs> so now they're telling us it's solar powered. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, and, and the talk at our local shop was, you know, that 
Yeah, don't put these near your regular comics because that battery acid's gonna start leaking out. So you know, Hence maybe not. Maybe I asked the question <laughs> if it's next is Old Grip One Eighty One. Yeah, so maybe uh, DC thought about it and they said these need to be light activated and make sure there's no battery acid seeping out of these. Into I comics, think but. there should have been a little more R and D before they released <laughs> it. Yeah, I'm not too sure. And again, like I said, I haven't opened my personal copy, so I don't know. You but, may not want to. Yeah, I'm going to keep it far away from my other stuff. But <laughs> well, if, if 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 you if you see the bag starting to dissolve away, oh no. then just throw <laughs> the comic away. Yeah, just just toss her in the trash, I yeah. guess. But yeah, that $15 uh, cover price, Bob. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. We'll have to... We'll For something that has to be opened in a very well-lit room and may or may not work, and it may work once and never again. Yeah, uh, maybe. <laughs> well, Lunar, you did good this time, I guess. But, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> Bob, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we return, we're going to head with uh, what's new at comic book shops this week. Do you listen to albums start to finish? Do you love concept albums? Are you always the first one at a party to bring up King Gizzard? Say no more. The Album Concept Hour podcast has everything you need. We have hot takes. It's like Voltron. (laughs) It's just like Voltron. Ah. It's like Voltron with jazz. This this is emo. This is uh, this is Willie Nelson's emo trip. Bad improv attempts. That was, that was <laughs> Let's all British. do our best Aussie accent. Let's not. <laughs> Let's alienate all the Australians. <laughs> and sometimes we even learn something. As they listened again and again to the song in the control room, Axel started saying, where do we go? Where do we go now? Where do we go? Shut up. Spencer turned down the music and said, why don't you just try singing that? And thus the last <laughs> part oh of the song God. was born. Listen to the Album Concept Hour wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome back to the 48th episode of the all-new, all-different, number one comics podcast. Bob, we're going to talk about some books that dropped in comic book shops this week. Of course, these are uh, books that are, of I don't know, uh, possibly of interest to you guys listening out there. You might still have a shot to go hit up your local shops and snag a copy, perhaps, if you're lucky. So... (laughs) With that being said, from Mad Cave Studios, we got a new number one, Skeeters issue number one. This is about an extraterrestrial mosquitoes that descend on a sleepy beach town. I actually had the pleasure of reading an advanced copy of this book, and it was really fun. It was really interesting. It was, uh, it reminded me a lot of those old, like, 70s uh, B-horror movies, you know, the the big creature features with the giant bug or animal or whatever. Just a lot of fun. Uh, I really liked it a lot. Really cool book. If you can snag a copy, I definitely suggest doing it. If you already grabbed one, then good for you. Um, From Dynamite Comics, we got Legendary. uh, I don't know why it's spelled that way. uh, Red Sonja. (laughs) And this is a one-shot steampunk version of Red Sonja. I don't know if maybe uh, Legendary is like a steampunk reference. I'm not too sure. I don't know much about steampunking or even what the hell it is. But uh, yeah, that's that's out there. From Image Comics, we got Bloodrick number one. This is about a barbaric hunter who seeks out game in unfamiliar woods, which leads to madness, violence, and bloodshed. And man, this has a awesome looking cover with a really cool heavy metal looking font, uh, trade dress. This is uh, written and illustrated by 
one person. It just looks like a lot of fun. <laughs> I definitely suggest picking that one up. Uh, we got Our Bones Dust. This was recommended to me by somebody who works at our local comic book shop, Bob. This one's about a feral child, equal parts predator and prey, who navigates a nightmare landscape of brutality and blood inhabited by scattered cannibal tribes. So, uh, yeah, that if that doesn't sound fun to you, then I don't know what does, but <laughs> very interesting. Bob, we got... From Boom Studios, Stuff of Nightmare, Sleigh Ride. This is a one-shot. Um, of course, we covered one of these books a, a little mm -hmm. while ago. So uh, these are all just one-shots, but this one is a R.L. Stein story about a down-and-out former mall Santa dead set on making sure department store shopping isn't the only thing that's deceased. Like, insert the dunch there, I guess, because it was supposed to be a joke. I, I don't know. Yeah, a bad joke, but... Why would you put a joke in your synopsis, you know? Uh, in a bad one, like that. I guess that's pretty R.L. Stein of him, though. So, uh, we'll, <laughs> that we'll is true. Here, that is true. Uh, from Dark Horse Comics, we've got Hellboy Winter Special Yule Cat number one. This is a one-shot holiday special with a giant, giant cat. Speaking of giant animals, that is a big cat. Hellboy's pretty big already, uh, uh, oh, sorry, already, and this is like four times the size of him, so... That's terrifying. I mean, imagine seeing like a giant cat that size. Bob, here's the question. Would you be scared or would you pet it? Well, I mean, petting a, <laughs> petting a cat, period, any kind of cat, you're yeah. kind of taking your hand into your <laughs> yeah, own uh, hands. It's always a risk. Yeah. yeah. Like, am I going to get my hand back? Am I not? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, on top of that, you've got like a giant cat. Yeah. So that uh, that's a no for me. Yeah. You're going to steer clear of it. Okay. Yeah. Well. I mean, I think I'd like to hear it purr, though. You know, you ever hear any of those giant, like, uh, like jaguars or something at the zoo purr? Man, that's loud. Yeah. Um, just imagine a cat that large. Yeah. Um, from Image Comics, we got Creep, sorry, Creep Show Holiday Special, twenty twenty three. This is a one shot holiday special. Uh, Creep Show. This has, you know, uh, if it's anything like the other Creep Shows, it's got like about two stories inside. You know, split in half. Uh, I'd talk about the creative team, but I'd be here all day trying to pronounce their name, so I won't worry <laughs> about it. Of course, we got the uh, previously mentioned Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong number one. Of course, one with a variant cover by Christian Deuce. Uh, Deuce? I don't know how you say that. D-U-C-E? But uh, this one features a gatefold cover. Oh, sorry. Wow, I can't <laughs> A gatefold cover that emits a King Kong roar effect when opened possibly so yes, you do have to open it yes in possibly. a bright room in, in a well-lit room. <laughs> yes, please. please don't uh open this in a dimly lit room it's you're gonna be disappointed you might want to put gloves on too <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> don't get any of that battery acid on your hands uh we also got uh, the same book with a variant cover that uh, has godzilla of course like we talked about before man that godzilla one looks awesome though uh, that's the one that i picked up for Marvel Comics, we got X-Men 29. This has the first team appearance of Seven Daggers, Doctor Doom's team of mutants. Sounds like a lot of fun. We also got Thunderbolts, issue number one, another volume of Thunderbolts where Bucky Barnes, a.k.a. The Revolution, leads a new Thunderbolts team. Bob, is this supposed to tie into the uh, MCU Thunderbolts that's supposed to come out? No. Uh, no? no? Okay, so no. this is um, it. I mean, it's it's got... I can't say it's got the exact same team, but I mean it has some of the flares because mm -hmm. I I did pick this book up and yes. it's got some of the flares from, you know, the MCU. But 
I highly doubt it's going to have anything to do with that unless they're going to ignore everything that happened with, you know, Sharon Carter yeah. and she's on the team and, uh, yeah. <laughs> Probably not. So, so there we go. Uh, Bob, we also got a new number one for Marvel this week. Uh, this is part of a four issue limited series. The Century number one. This one may introduce a new century from various people who are manifesting the dead hero's powers. I've heard some really interesting things about this book. I've not read it yet, but I'm really excited to read it. Mm -hmm. um, the reviews have been mixed, is all I can say. Some people love it. Some people really hate it. Uh, we'll have to see where we land. Uh, we also got Marvel Voices Avengers number one, an anthology of Avengers stories, as well as Mating Spin. Amazing Spider-Man issue number 39. Uh, this one is part one of Gang War crossover preceded by prologue issues. Uh, this one also had that great variant cover that we talked about last week that's inspired by X-Men number one from 1991. Just a great cover there. I love that. Uh, Mickey Cyclops and, and the... Uh, it's just a lot of fun. The Daffy Wolverine, the Goofy uh, <laughs> Iceman. Wolverine. Yeah, I, I love that cover. Yeah, Dap, I, I like that. Uh, maybe we can Dap make a mini series out of that one day. Over to DC Comics, we got Titans Beast World, Wall of Rising number one, uh, event tie-in. Also, Titans Beast World, Tour Metropolis number one, where Power Girl becomes Flame Bird, and it's part of the event tie-in. Bob, we also got that Shazam issue six with the first appearance of first appearance of Shazam. I can't talk today at all, or ever. Uh, the first appearance of Shazam might a cousin of that might man just uh, you know I, I'm, I'm shaking my head too and i'm just i, I want to be interested but it's just not again is it so. going to turn out there's an entire planet of mites <laughs> i guess so yeah, why not right? flash might bizarre and bizarre might <laughs> uh brain of might where my question is this how's there not a joker might because there has to be right I'm sure there's one that exists. We're just not deep enough in DC lore. Well, hopefully there's also Lex might. <laughs> yeah, Luther might. Uh, uh, we also got the book that we're covering today, Batman Santa Claus Silent Night, number one of four issue limited series that sees Batman team up with Santa to battle monsters and goblins. So those are the books that came out this week. Uh, again, maybe you can hit up your local shop and try to score a copy and see if it's not too late. If you're in Jacksonville, Florida, hit up Gotham City Limit. They would absolutely love to uh, pull one of these books for you. Or uh, tell them that your name's Bob, and maybe they'll throw it at Bob's pool, and uh, I don't know. Bob will pick up the uh, the bill for you, I guess. And then I'll think to myself, when the hell did I put this on my pole? <laughs> Wait a second. I don't remember asking for 47 copies. Of oh, thanks, Dan. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, uh, it happens to the best of us. We'll be right back after this break. back with episode number 48 of the all new all different number one comics podcast bob let's talk about the book we're covering this week is that, that what we do i think so that's what we're gonna do uh as we hijack this podcast and uh, take <laughs> over and talk about comic books because, i thought we talked about the birds and the bees uh i don't know if you want to hear us talk about that but if you do tune in for a very special episode next week Filming for a live studio audience. <laughs> Bob, this week we're going to be talking about DC's Batman, Santa Claus, Silent Night, issue number one. 
I'm going to hit him with a synopsis from DC's site really quick, and then we'll go into the creators and then my synopsis. But first off, from DC, the Dark Knight partners with a not-so-jolly Saint Nick as Santa Claus is coming to town. The four-part crossover event of a generation begins when a not-so-jolly Saint Nick hits Gotham City to investigate a brutal crime in the days leading up to Christmas. What manner of man or beast could have committed such atrocities with the help of his former student, Batman? Santa will team up with the heroes of the DC Universe to right this wrong, or the world wakes up to coal in their stockings. A brutal two-fisted holiday tale of hope, wonder, and monster hunting is the perfect treat to ring in the holidays. It's Claws in Canon. So I think the biggest, uh, sorry, I'm done with the synopsis, but I think the biggest, uh, you know, um, thing you're supposed to take out of this synopsis or whatever news here and, and everything that I've read online that people are so excited about is this is an in canon story of Batman and Santa Claus. So uh, you're supposed to think Batman and Santa Claus have known each other uh, for for a very long time, of course, and they're drinking buddies. Yep, and and Batman has learned some some of his skills from Santa Claus. So uh, just know that going into this, I guess, and that's the exciting news here. Um, now let's talk about the creative team really quick. We have, of course have uh, the writer Jeff Parker on this title here, and Jeff Parker, man oh man, has done a lot. Uh, he's credited with Batman sixty six. He's written on ninety five issues of that. So. <laughs> Lots and lots of Batman 66. Uh, he's. Uh, we were just talking about Thunderbolts. He did a long run on Thunderbolts all the way from uh, issue 138 to issue 174. Uh, he wrote on Marvel Comics Hulk. Uh, if you remember that like Red Hulk storyline that came out in, I, I want to say, the what, like 2008, something like mm -hmm. that. Uh, he started on Hulk issue 25 and ended on Hulk issue 57. He's also done Marvel Adventures, The Avengers, if you remember the all-ages series there, 24 issues of that. He wrote on Aquaman, wrote on Batman 66 meets Wonder Woman 77, Dark Avengers, X-Men First Class, Marvel 2-in-1, Agents of Atlas, Future Quest, James Bond Origin, Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay, Marvel Adventures, Fantastic Four, X-Men First Class, Red She-Hulk, Future Quest Presents, Flash Gordon, Negaduck, Agents of Atlas, Batman 66 meets the Man from Uncle Exiles, Justice League United, Archie meets Batman 66, King's Watch, Spider-Man 1602, Underground, uh, Solitaire, Dark Reign the Hood. I could go on and on and on, but I'll stop. Just, he's, just know he's done a lot. He's written a lot. The guy's got some experience. Now, uh... We're going to get into the artist, and Bob, I'm going to try to say this name without having you chime in, but just know, listening audience, and Bob, I'm going to stumble, and I'm going to sound like an idiot. Uh, I'm here to back you up, Dan. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Michele Bandini. Very good. Uh, close enough? Very good. Ah, thank you. Golf clap there. Uh, round of applause, ladies and gentlemen. Um, uh, Michele is a Italian comic book artist, and... We'll go into some of the stuff he's done. He's uh, arted on <laughs> Batman Incorporated, on Marvel's Spider-Man City at War, X-Men Gold, Van Helsing versus Dracula over at Xenoscope, 
Captain Marvel, Immortal X-Men, The Mighty Captain Marvel, The Amazing Spider-Man, Grim Fairy Tales presents The Jungle Book, Fall of the Wild from Zenoscope. He's also done a little bit of work on Miles Morales, Spider-Man, and Thor, as well as Marauders, Wild Cats, Dawn of X, or Dawn of Ten, however you're supposed to say that. Savage Dragon, What If Thor, uh... Marvel Avengers, Black Widow, Winter Guard, and the list goes on and on. But he's so done. he's he's just kind of been all over the place. Yeah, he's done some really cool things, and uh, I I will say I really like his art a lot. You know, spoiler alert, but yeah. he's done a great job yeah. here on this book. Um, also, colors by Alex Sinclair, just to to throw that out there. But we won't go into his backstory or anything. Which we know Alex Sinclair has done. <laughs> yeah, he's been around the block a time or we, two. We've heard the name once yeah. or twice, I guess. But uh, yeah, Bob, let's get into this book. Um, no. Bob, before we get into this book, let's get into my synopsis of this book. Oh, yeah. I know, I know. Uh, Always fun. Uh, Batman Santa Claus, The Silent Night, number one, opens with a group of Christmas carolers in Gotham City as they get attacked by some sort of man-bat-looking creatures. Batman and Robin show up on the scene as the police are putting the carolers in body bags. And they find victims with a single puncture mark on the neck and they're drained of blood. Zatanna then shows up to help and identifies the creatures as the drug. Drog? I'm going to go with drug. Drog. Uh, Norse vampires. The vampires attack Batman and Robin and one of them takes off with Robin. Just then Santa shows up uh, on his reindeer prancer and shoots the vampire with a wooden stake. We find that Batman and Santa know each other, and we flash over to Batgirl and Nightwing on <laughs> the defense of another vampire attack. Santa shows up with Batman and Zatanna as the vampires fly off. Zatanna then pulls a book from her library to teach Robin, Nightwing, and Batgirl about this Norse, Viking, Scandinavian Santa's craftsman's origin wow that was a, such yeah. a long run on but that's Save how that I five times fast. yeah exactly and the origin of krampus just then one of the slain vampires grows flowers from its chest and it attacks zatanna then krampus comes out of the slain vampire's mouth to exact his revenge on santa and if that sounds like a crazy effed up fever dream uh sorry that's actually what's in the book here so <laughs> uh bob probably how it began yeah let's wow let's let's get into this thing um how about the story beats this one it's 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 definitely not all over the place it's very like linear it takes place like as you know the the vampires happen you know batman and robin uh come out to Mm -hmm. to investigate and, and whatever and as the vampires attack and santa comes along to you know, teach everybody how to how to kill these vampires or whatever. Um, uh, Zatanna takes some time to kind of school everybody on the history of this particular Santa and Krampus, and and then that Krampus, uh, you know, reveals himself. So pretty straightforward in the story beats there. Yeah, I mean, uh, like you just said, the only time you know it's not linear is when you know Zatanna's reading that excerpt from the book she has, but I mean. That's, you know, to give the reader a little bit of backstory on Santa Claus. So the only thing, the only thing I would like is, um, you know, in the story beats mm-hmm. is maybe in addition to telling about, you know, Santa, maybe 
you know, telling you exactly how, and I'm sure they're going to do it in the, um, in the, uh, next few issues. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, let us know how Batman knows Claws. Oh yeah. There, a little there, bit of backstory on that. Yeah. They're definitely going to get into that. Uh, that's, that's for sure. That will happen. Um, I'm with you. It would have been nice to hear a little bit here. Maybe just like a little, uh, like Easter egg in it or something. Yeah, because you know, because I because I can definitely see on especially you know maybe you know because there are people out there mm -hmm. who still have not read comics. Yep. I don't know what you're doing with your life if <laughs> yeah, you exactly. haven't. But I can you know kind of see how you know especially if you've only read Batman comics mm -hmm. and then you get to this one and it's sort of like wait a minute. How do Batman and Santa Claus know each other? <laughs> Why are they friends? Yeah, yeah I could I could see that being a little confusing. Other than that, I mean, everything flows mm -hmm. smoothly. I mean, this is this is such an easy read. You know, you even you even <laughs> said it because I actually before I came over, I actually read the wrong issue. I thought it was the correct issue because it was a Santa Claus cover. Yep. But we saw that it wasn't, and, you know, I, I even said it had taken me about 15 minutes to read, and I was done with this and what did you say, less than 10? Yeah, so, so just for, <laughs> you know, just for a little bit of backstory, yes, uh, Batman uh, issue number 140 also came out this week uh, with a ton of variant covers, as Batman always is. You know, I feel like they add, every single week they're adding a variant cover to Batman. I think it's up to, like, 58 now but um but yes uh there was lots of variant covers but there was this great homage to uh what, what is that batman one uh, yeah okay batman number one uh with batman and robin on the cover there but it's uh you know the santified version of that um so uh naturally and, and of course it has the little trade dress of batman santa claus silent night on it so naturally it seemed like a uh, variant cover to this issue yeah. so that's the one bob picked up also what i picked up for my Batman book because I noticed that it said Batman 140 at the top there, but um, but you know Bob read the Batman 140 and was like, wait, we didn't read the same book <laughs> when you walked in the room, so yeah. uh, so we said, shit, okay, well, how quick can you read this? You said about 15 minutes. I think it took you about seven. Mm -hmm. Um, very quick read. Uh, but I'm with you. I, I read it twice, easy breezy. Uh, yeah. Quick read yeah, goes by very quick, and it's not because of lack of dialogue. I no. mean, there's there's a good amount of dialogue in this book. Everybody's talking, but I mean, it it just makes sense. Yeah. You know, it makes sense that it, it flows would be, nice and quick. It yeah. would make it makes sense that that character said something like that. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It it definitely flows very well. I love the uh, inclusion of Zatanna here and how she is kind of. I I don't know if it's just going to be in this issue or if it'll be throughout the whole miniseries or what, but how she's kind of, you know, our exposition. Um, she, she's the stand in yeah. for, yeah. for us to learn everything about the history and everything. Mm -hmm. here. I like Zatanna. I think she's, uh, very underused in the DC universe. I think that, um, yeah, her inclusion here was, was outstanding. And I thought, you know, knowing that it had Nightwing, Batgirl, uh, Robin, Batman. Okay, it's just going to be the Bat family. But yeah, I, I love that we have Zatanna. So I, I think that's great. But yeah, um, the story beats, I would say A++. You know, they yep. do a wonderful job on the story yep. beats. Uh, yeah. Of course, uh, you know, Mr. Jeff knows how to write a story. He's done it for quite a while and on some big titles and everything. But he's got a, he's got a uh, 
little bit of uh, storytelling under his belt. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, but, yeah, done a, a great job with this. I'm happy they gave him a number one to work on over here. Um, so how about the narrative then? How about the narrative of this story? Uh, it it works very well for me. Again, it was such an easy read for me or super easy read for Bob. Um, narratively, it, it, it takes kind of, you know, Batman and Robin uh, goes into Zatanna, goes into that storytelling mode. And, and then, you know, we have a little bit of like audience POV, I guess. But yeah, it's the narrative is is done really well here. Just mm-hmm. an outstanding storytelling. What about you, Bob? Do you have anything uh, else to comment on the narrative? He nailed everything on the head. Yeah, I hate to make this one so short, but it's it's going to be hard. I, I, I You know, I've noticed the better written they are. It's just we kind of breeze through them because there's not much to critique. Uh, but no. this is written very well. How about the dialogue? We had some uh, pretty big voices in this book. Of course, Santa, Batman, Zatanna, uh, Robin, Nightwing, Batgirl, um, Krampus at the end. Uh, how did you feel about everyone's dialogue? Did they have individualized enough voices? Like, uh, What did you feel? Yeah, and you know, like I said earlier, I mean... All the dialogue was stuff, you know, that those people would say. I mean, yep. at the very beginning, you know, when Batman and Robin are looking at the scene of the, um, you know, Christmas carolers oh. under the sheets, you know, uh, Robin says, you know, I guess whoever did this doesn't like Christmas carolers. Yep. <laughs> then you had Batman who kind of chides him mm-hmm. saying, you know, don't say that out loud. Just yep. get to the point where you think it. Yeah, and it's <laughs> exactly. Like, that is definitely something Batman would say. Oh, yeah. And that is definitely something Damien Wayne would say because he speaks his mind. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. He's he's written the tone of these characters very, very well. Uh, it's interesting because we have some characters that we know really well. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that being the Bat family and Zatanna. And mm-hmm. then we don't know this Santa. Um, this isn't like they said so many times in their synopsis. This isn't your like Jolly St. Nick. This is a different Santa. Right. And when I said in my synopsis uh, that it's like a, a Norse, Viking, Scandinavian Santa, you know, that's that's kind of what we're getting here. It's a different Santa. He's a craftsman who kind of splintered off and became Santa. Uh, but it, it's kind of it's kind of a to me it, to me this version of Santa is kind of a combination of David Harbor from Violent Night. Yeah. Uh-huh. Meets. Alec Baldwin's version <laughs> from The Guardians, if you uh-huh. remember that movie. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and it's it's cool. Like, it definitely fits in, in the DC universe here because mm-hmm. I would say, you know, I'd agree with them. If they're going to make this a canon event, um, to have, like, jolly old Saint Magical Nick, you know, from the North Pole with Mrs. Claus and all of that, like, it would be kind of a tough sell. Yeah, especially, especially you know, when you have... Uh, Batman to play mm-hmm. off of because yeah. if you had that version in a Batman book, it just wouldn't work. I agree. It would be like a fun, like you know, thing. Like I, I'm sure you know a good writer, some even somebody like you know uh, Jeff here, a phenomenal writer. But uh, you know, a, a good writer could could shoehorn you know Santa Claus in there and, and make it work. Um, but it would be goofy and, and yeah. fun. Now, this being like a canon event, and we're supposed to think, you know, from now until the end of time, Batman has worked with Santa Claus before. Yeah, it needs to be this Santa. See, and, you know, I'll say, I mean, 
if the, if we didn't know this was a limited series, you could make this part of the Batman run. Yep. And it would just go seamlessly because it's not the, you know, jolly old, you know, Christmas version of uh, Chris Kringle. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I love the way this was done. I think that um, it was really smart. Yep. Uh, of course, I'm sorry, we're in the dialogue and we're talking about other things, but that's okay. But it's it's our it's our comic book podcast, so we can do what we want, right? It's my party and I can cry if I want to. Pretty but um, uh, yeah, I, I, I like the way that this character was included. And, and to reel it back in, I like the dialogue of that character. I think that he has a very unique voice. Um, he's very stern. He's very gristled. Um He's not here to play, but no. also he's definitely on the bat team, you know. I um, mean, um, what was it? Um, I think it was Zatanna mm-hmm. who asked, don't you have big things coming? No, it was Batgirl mm-hmm. who asked uh, Klaus, you know, don't you have big things coming up soon? And, yep. you know, Klaus was like, what? <laughs> Basically. Uh-huh. Oh, Christmas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that, I'm, that's so, what I got to do. Yeah, so, right. I mean, just just saying that, you know, it's not, you know, the regular Santa Claus. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I like this character's dialogue. I think it works well. So what about the world building then, Bob? We're in Gotham City, and uh, Santa has come to town, and so have some weird uh, vampire bats. They're vampires. I don't know. I mean, bats, I, I mean, again, the <laughs> the world building. I mean, you know, Batman comics. Yep. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, there aren't a whole lot of locations in Gotham City that sure. we haven't been to. Yep. Exactly. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go out and say, you know, the world building is great. Uh, like you said, it's very familiar already, so mm-hmm. it's not. Uh, like um, which which model. I mean isn't a bad thing. No. It's just after all this time and umpteen thousand ish thousand issues of Batman, I mean you're it, it's gonna get to the point where no matter what comic is being written for, I mean we've you know we know all about you know New York basically mm-hmm. by now yep. from Marvel. I mean we know all about Metropolis from Superman. Yep. And I mean, if you've ri- if you've written that many comics over that many you know decades, there's not too many places in that city you're going to be able to go where people don't know where it is. Yes, exactly. No, I completely agree with you there. Now I do have a question for you, Bob. Yeah. Uh, how would you feel? Would you feel different? I guess is is how I could frame it. If Batman and Company were to go to the North Pole. If this took place on the North Pole, I would. And, okay. Yes. I mean, not that it could. I mean, obviously, the story would have to change some. It's not like we could have uh, vampires attacking carolers on the right. North Pole. But you know, if, right. if the circumstances were different. Right. Um, yeah, so, j- just because you know that's a location we've, or at least I've never seen in the DC universe. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they've ever gone to the North Pole mm-hmm. in the DC universe. Uh, I mean, it's the DC universe. I'm, I'm sure they've gone everywhere at this point, but uh, or, yeah. or a version of the multiverse. <laughs> yeah, of the exactly. <laughs> but but I'm with you. Um, yeah, I, I'll I'll just go ahead and say you know it it wasn't a huge task for Jeff and and and, and company here to uh, flesh out the world of Gotham, but they did a good job uh, either <laughs> way. Um, so points for that. Now getting into the art, Michele. Uh, and now, I, now I can't say the last name of my life depending on Bandini. Bandini. Okay. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Michele Bandini. Um, 
if, if I'm even saying your first name correct at this point. Uh, let's let's get into to his art some here. Uh, let's talk about the characters. Of course, you know, talking about uh, how somebody draws Batman is just like talking about how somebody draws Spider-Man or Superman. Um, there's been so many billions of incarnations and we have an idea in our head, but we want a little bit of artistic liberty with it as well. Um, uh, but then we have some other characters, you know, some mm. secondary characters, uh, Robin Batgirl, uh, Nightwing, um, Satana, and then uh, Chris Kringle himself, or if that's what we're supposed to call him, <laughs> and Krampus, and, and these uh, vampires and everything. How did you feel about the artwork here? Um, Bob, I, I want you to go first because I don't want to soil it with my opinion, so I'd like to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I I, de I definitely like the artwork. Mm -hmm. I like I said, you know, you could put this in the regular Batman run, yep. and you couldn't, you know, tell a difference. This was a limited. I mean, I love how he draws the characters mm -hmm. because you know, being the Bat family, you know, they've had all those years of training yep. and all that. I mean, all of them are just drawn athletically. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they do all these, um, you know, uh, sorry, but gymnastic style moves. <laughs> yeah, real true. And, yeah, just, uh, just on a personal note, I don't know if this is his costume in canon right now. Mm -hmm. I love Damien Wayne's costume. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. love his new outfit. Yeah, that, that Robin outfit's very nice. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very good. Um. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I, the reason I didn't want to say anything is because I really, really like it. Uh, I, I think that this is drawn very, very well. Uh, I, I like it a lot. This is kind of like the Batman that I like. I'm not worried about, you know, so many people so many times, you know, say that they want the the dark, brooding, grizzled Batman and this and this. And like, I don't want that. I'm, I, I don't care about that Batman. It's, it's fine. It's a... It's an interpretation, and, and it, it works for certain stories or whatever. But this is – I feel like this should be a little bit fun. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, yeah. Now – When when you're dealing with an issue with with Chris Kringle. Yeah, exactly. I mean, don't, don't – I mean, don't make it like a, you know, detective noir style Yeah, movie. exactly. Yes, yes, exactly. So there should be a little bit of fun here. Now, mm -hmm. I'm taking the story seriously, and I'm having a good time. Yeah. But, yeah, I want it to, to be a little bit fun, and I think that – I think that they found a perfect artist for this. It yeah. really, really complements uh, Jeff's writing. The, the characters look outstanding. Yeah. yeah. I, I will. I will, Yeah. Just, just by looking at the art and the character design, this would have fit. You know, I, I really couldn't have tell, been able to tell the difference if you know this was during the Scott Snyder run. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, agreed. Um, I, I, I will say. Uh, you know, I gave it A plus plus on the story beats. I'm gonna give it A plus plus on the character art because it's really, really good. Mm -hmm. One of the most outstanding things in the issue. Mm -hmm. How about the backgrounds, Bob? Um, I'm gonna again. I'm gonna let you lead. You're a big <laughs> stickler for backgrounds, yeah, so big uh, if it passes the Bob test, then then we'll see where we go from there. But Bob, how about you lead with the backgrounds? Oh, it de it definitely passes the uh, <laughs> Bob test. I've got I've got it open to a. Uh, you know, page where it's got um, I I can't I can't quite remember. That's the museum there. Or that's a museum there in front of her, correct? I think so. The building. Yeah. But um, yeah, you got you got one panel of one of the uh, grog, you know, um, taking away Damon Wayne, mm -hmm. you know, 
flying him up into the air. Yep. And you can just see each individual pane of glass. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, every single pane of glass in the windows. I mean, you can see the panes of glass on the door. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the backgrounds are, are very fleshed out. One of the things that I like a lot here is something that it doesn't come up like a lot in comics, but I love it when it does. Mm-hmm. I love the snow. I like how they're using the snow yeah. uh, to accent what's going on in the snows there in the foreground. It's there in the background. It's 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 blurred. It's it's in focus. It, there's so much going on with the snow, and I really like it a lot. It, it's 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 blurred. I have seen it, and I'm sure you've seen it, mm-hmm. where the snow is actually a detriment to what's going oh, on. Oh yeah, just absolutely. Be, just because. They try to accent the snow mm-hmm. so much yep. that it's kind of hard to see what's going on. I'm, I'm sure you've seen, you know, comic books where they do that before. But I mean, oh yeah, this one, I, it, this one, it uses the he uses the snow just enough to where you can still make out everything in the panel. Yeah, absolutely, and I, and I love the way the snow is done. It's, mm. it's done really, really awesome here. I like it a lot. Um, one of the Bob, I'm gonna circle back to a, mm-hmm. a panel. While we're talking about the backgrounds, I just have to get this one out in the open really quick because I think it's the introduction of Zatanna. Yeah, it's it's uh, Zatanna's introduction in this comic, um, and it's almost a full page spread of of her, you know, uh, coming to be here and just the. I don't know how to describe what's going on in the background there, but it is one of the most outstanding panels in this whole book. I really love it. There's so much light. There's so much magic. There's so many orbs and things mixing in with the snow and mm-hmm. the background and foreground there. Yeah. Um, I absolutely love it. And I, I really think that Michele, uh, Michele, uh, Michele. Has, has done such a phenomenal job on that piece right there that I want that framed and, and put up in this room. Yeah, kind, so, of, kind yeah. of kind of ta- something strikes me, though, that I take a closer look at this uh, mm-hmm. panel. Of course, I saw it when I read it. But now that you pointed it out and uh, I'm looking at it right now, Actually, the background um, in her introduction has that like aurora borealis thing. Yeah, it sure does. You know what I mean? Uh huh. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean that that is just yeah. I I could I could definitely see this. You know, one panel blown up to where it's just you know like a poster size. Yeah, exactly. Just hanging up. Uh, just uh, amazing. Really, really, really nice artwork there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, let's get into the locations. Bob, we already talked about the locations. This is in Gotham. Uh, we're, we're in Gotham. We get a little bit of, you know, whenever Zatanna is, is schooling everybody on the history of the uh, Santa and Krampus characters mm-hmm. there, we get a little, like, peek into that world. But uh, this More is... More or less, you get, you know, the museum, the yeah. cemetery. Yeah, this is, this is in one one two locations uh Mm -hmm. so i don't think there's much we can say about those other than you know for for my money they're they're nicely done it's all done great looks good Mm. uh i don't think there's much we could really say on that uh so let's talk about the colors then what did i say it was alex Sinclair. Sinclair. um for me the colors pop the palette works really really well it works in in conjunction with the art and the storytelling uh I, I don't know. I mean, this is <laughs> it's going to be hard to to say anything that I didn't like about this book at all. I think the colors work really, really well. Yeah. I mean, like it, like I told you, I mean, that one panel has the aurora borealis thing yes. going on. 
I mean, we've got the panels where Zatanna's reading from her book. Yep. And, I mean, it, it looks like the pages are coming to life. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, you... and, and I love that because it's a, it's a tiny bit muted uh, yeah. in, in comparison to the what's the action panels in the book. Yep. But, it like you said, it comes to life. There's like a, a, a light in the eyes of everybody and, and everything. Uh, yeah, it's mm-hmm. really, really nicely done. Uh, mm-hmm. Outstanding. Uh, so... I, I don't know, Bob. Uh, kudos to uh, Jeff, to Michele, to Alex. Uh, everybody really pulled this thing off. Um, mm-hmm. This was done really, really well, and I think that it needed to be if they wanted to make Batman and Santa, you know, a canon event. Yeah, because I I could uh, when we were when we were picking the book last week. Yep. I could I I definitely thought to myself, okay, this better be done by a great team. Yes. Or else this could go south. No pun intended. This could go south. <laughs> this really could go north fast. pole really yeah. quick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. This was. This could only go one of two ways. There was no in between. This could either be outstanding or really really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and it, and luckily for us, it was outstanding. This is a really good. Uh, so. You know, to, to exit the review portion of it and, and, you know, give your recommendation, I think that it's pretty easy to say I will absolutely be picking up issue number two. I, I think you will as well, but I'll let you say it in your own words. But. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I will be picking this up, and I highly recommend if you're on the fence about reading yeah. this, go out and buy it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anybody sitting on the fence on this one, yeah, yeah, go out and get a copy. It's really, really good. It's a lot of fun. Um, I think it's going to do well. It's a Batman title anyway, so it should do fine. But, uh, yeah, if you thought, I don't know, this sounds too campy, it sounds stupid, I don't care about Santa and Batman meeting up, yeah, you do. This is yeah. really fun. And, I, I mean, just just expound on my point, you know, I said about this could either be really good or it could go south really quickly. Yep. An idea like this where it's supposed to – where it sounds, you know, lighter mm-hmm. and funner – it could have gone south really quickly. It could have been an outstanding story. Mm-hmm. But if you didn't have an outstanding artist to oh, go yeah. with that outstanding story. Yes. Then, it. I mean, I don't care what kind of story. I mean, I don't care if it was the easiest read in the world. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that artist that can get your ideas and story across, yes. then it's going to fall flat. And, I mean, again, especially a story with Batman teaming up with Santa Claus. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it it doesn't seem like it, but Bob's right. I mean, the stakes are very, very high, actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's... It, it takes a special team to pull this off, and, and the right tones have to be achieved and all of that. And, and to obtain that, you have to have the right people in place. You have to put the right team together. Yeah, I mean, you know... Of course, Dan and I have our personal favorite mm-hmm. as far as artists and writers. Sure. But not every artist and writer, artists especially, are cut out for, you know, I mean, Alex Ross isn't cut out for horror books. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, um, you know, Steve McNiven isn't cut out for certain books. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Um there's some people that are super versatile. There's some people that, uh, you know, do their thing and they do it really, really well, but it works for what they do. But, but not every, not every artist is, 
you know, hits a home run on every single book. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Not everybody can be Tyler Crooks, so. but <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, just you know, to uh, to piggyback on what you're saying, this this works so well. Um, it's Bob. It's getting harder and harder because again, I, I told you before, we got to start making our list. We got to start figuring out what our book of the year is. Uh, you know, and, and we got to figure out if we're going to have individual books of the year, if we're going to team up and, and do one. There's a lot to figure out here. But with that being said, um, I hate when we run into a book that's so good because I'm like, hey, you can't just come in here and try to hijack our list. You know, uh, we've been doing this for almost a year now, and you can't just come out of nowhere with a really, really good. This late in the game, too. <laughs> yeah, and make me reconsider what my number one pick's going to be. But, um, yeah, I, I would definitely say absolutely pick this up. If you've not picked this up yet, what the hell are you doing? Stop right now, pause the podcast, go pick the book up, and then resume after you've read it. But, um, yes, please pick this book up. It is outstanding. Uh, print that on the back cover of the trade. But uh, with that being said, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll return with What's in Shops next week. back with episode number 48 of the all new all different number one comics podcast bob why don't you hit them with some new books that are dropping next week but first it's now disclaimer time it's now disclaimer time with bob we really need to put that to music you know i say for the new year i record a uh, a bit <laughs> i might do the singing i might not who knows <laughs> I don't know if I want to hear. I don't know if people want to hear that. <laughs> they certainly don't want to hear me sing, but here they go. <laughs> but um, as always, these are just a few of the books that are, I guess, a few of the notable books. I guess you would say. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Coming out for next week, and this is only one um, resource. So if you want a more in-depth list, please consult elsewhere. You know, consult your local comic shop. You know, ask them what's coming out and if they can read you a synopsis and you know what the price is what the barcode is <laughs> um who it's written by exactly and, and like bob said if you're here in jacksonville florida like uh bob and i are you can hit up uh, gotham city limit on Southside boulevard ask for jonathan ask for ian ask for ben and uh yeah definitely ask them if they can read those barcode numbers for you well ian may be um ian may be not available for a while <laughs> okay okay well uh, at least ask the other two though remember gotham city limits more than just a comic show <laughs> take it to the limit so starting off the list from dc we have batman gargoyle of gotham number two. Oh god bob more batman this one's got the first appearance of moth earth and the virgin so we have Moth Er and the Virgin. Yeah. Okay. Um, going to Marvel, we have Punisher number two. This one's got the first appearance of The Offer, a crime lord. And a really fun cover, so there's that at least. The Offer does not sound like a crime lord. Crime lord. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, we have a reprint, Batman Robin Lives number 428. So... They didn't tell them exactly what this is. Yeah, not not quite a reprint, but um, it it's uh, 
how do you explain this? Um, this one is a reprinting of the death of Jason Todd, but it's got an alternate ending where Robin lives, which is the opposite conclusion of what fans voted for in a telephone voting campaign launched by DC in 1988. So fans voted for Jason Todd to die, and instead he's going to live here. So let me ask you before I go any further on the list, necessary or unnecessary? I mean, of course it's unnecessary, but I, it's kind of fun. I mean, I'll, I'll definitely buy in. Personally, I have no, I have no opinion whatsoever. I sure. mean, as long as he's still the Red Hood. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if that if that just totally, if that just creates an entire new universe in the <laughs> multiverse, then hey. Look, everything creates an entire new universe in the multiverse. I know because <laughs> you know DC has to reboot themselves every few years. <laughs> sure. Uh, we have from DC Action Comics number 1060. Will volume one ever end? It will never end. This one is a has a backup story that's a prelude to the upcoming series, Neil Before Zod. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it needs a little bit of work. Yeah, I, I could see that being a little bit. Uh, we have from DC again, Wesley Dodds, The Sane Man number three. This one has the first appearance of Fog. That's not a character. It's the first appearance ever in any comic book that exists of actual Fog. Not really, but you know, <laughs> I thought I'd take some liberty because it didn't say the Fog. Uh, that, is, that, that is true. <laughs> that is very true. So going back to Marvel, we have Captain America number four. Oh, God, Bob. This one has the possible first appearance of the emissary, a previous character named Emissary Emissary yeah, I can't say it was introduced in All Out Adventures but it's likely J. Michael Straczynski will create a new villain Straczynski 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 man that's that's a I love those possible first appearances I don't get them it could possibly happen maybe if you're a good boy I, I don't know. To me, it's either a first appearance or it's not a first yeah. appearance. It possibly is. I mean, I, I guess if it was an existing character, <laughs> then I guess you could say it wasn't a first appearance. Yeah. I don't know. That's It's very confusing. <laughs> uh, sticking with Marvel, we have Daredevil Gang War number one. This one's got the first team appearance of the Heat, a gang. <laughs> that is that that is one of the most vague solicits i've ever heard sure um i do like that though i mean think about the popular gang names you've heard of like the and the the heat uh, how's nobody taken the name of the heat yet don't say them too loud don't say those names too loud oh, i don't sorry. i don't want to i don't want anything to happen <laughs> should i edit them out yeah <laughs> uh sticking with marvel we have moon knight number 30 Yes, uh, Moon Knight number 30, final issue, conclusion of the Death of Moon Knight arc, possible first appearance of a new Moon Knight. Mm, let's go with another possible first <laughs> it's appearance. It's possible. We have, from Marvel again, Spider-Gwen Smash number one. Bob, so excited for this one. This is a four-issue limited series that promises new versions of favorite characters. So it's basically the it's basically in comic form an all new all different. <laughs> yeah, ooh, all new all different 
number one. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> um, and finally, from DC, we have DC's Twas the Might Before Christmas, number one. Oh, Bob, this is an 80-page anthology of Christmas stories. Um, yeah, uh, it's got that might. I'm, I'm going to stay away from this, especially <laughs> for its $10 cover price. But, you know, you guys have fun if that's what you're into. <laughs> and that's again that's just a list of some of the notable comics coming up yes uh, of course fingers crossed hopefully <laughs> coming up next week sure now speaking of books coming out next week we have on our uh wheel here from wheelofnames.com of course the never sponsored but we wish that we were sponsored by wheelofnames.com wheel of names if you're listening uh contact bob but uh yeah we've got three comics here on the wheel uh those being spider gwen smash invasive and beyond real bob i'm gonna click the spin button and we're gonna see where this lands to and figure yes, out which book spinning. we're covering next week it looks like we're going back to colin bun bob we're doing invasive number one so that should be a lot of fun maybe we should be Sponsored by Colin Bunn. <laughs> yes, the Colin Bunn cast never <laughs> ends. Uh, but with that being said, Bob, that pretty much wraps up the uh, show. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Of course, make sure you check us out on social media. We're on Instagram at A-N-A-D underscore number one comics podcast. You can check us out on X at A-N-A-D-N-O Comic Pod. We're on TikTok at A-N-A-D number one comics pod. And, of course, we're on YouTube under the comic book channel. This and every single week, we'd love to give away a copy of the book that we covered. All you have to do is use the hashtag all new, all different nation on a social media post of your choice. And that'll enter you in the giveaway. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in to episode number 48 of the all-new, all-different number one comics podcast. And we will see you next week. <laughs>